What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. Today, I got Jared Larson on. Jared works with Onyx, but aside from that, he's a big, big hunter. Um, really enjoys getting out there, and we're going to talk specifically about his sheep hunt today. But before we get into that, um, Onyx has been a great partner of mine. We've I've talked to Onyx for the last, I don't know, four or five years. Jared and I have talked on and off. Um, and I've, if you don't use Onyx Maps, you really need to check it out. Like when you, If you start hunting public land, or even if you're hunting private, it is a phenomenal tool for understanding your boundaries, marking waypoints, having like that digital footprint so that you can, you know, I personally, even on my private piece, private piece, I categorize and colorize all my um, tree stand locations. So like if, and, and you guys just added the filter features, which I freaking love. So now I can literally just type in like Southwest wind and it will populate all the stands that are good for good for a Southwest wind on my property. And then I've also color coded them for, for early season and, and the rut and late season as well. So it, like, it really helps me narrow down my focus and I do that on public pieces too. So anyway, if you guys aren't using Onyx, definitely go check it out. And there's some awesome new stuff coming out that we're going to preview today. And I'll let Jared cover that. Well, sweet. Thanks for the intro, Anthony. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, that was that was a bang up uh, off the cuff Onyx testimony. <laughs> right there. It's because so. I live I live this time of year. I mean, it's mid it's mid August, late August right now. I live I live on Onyx for the, like the next I mean three months. Like it's pretty much every day. I live through Wonderground and Onyx. I'm on it every day, looking. It's flipping flipping through the topos, the satellite, the hybrid, and just flipping through all that stuff. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, uh, the old web map can be a real time suck sometimes, particularly, you know, you're taking a break at work and you're like, ah, I'm just going to go poke around for a couple minutes. And, you know, 25 <laughs> minutes later, you're like, ah, that's a, I guess I better do something for work again. <laughs> right. Uh, or you have all these new ideas now, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But yeah, to cover a few things that are upcoming. So, I mean, you alluded to a bunch of them, but like the, the 2020 crop data layer, I know you and I were kind of talking yes. about that offline here. And uh, that's something that we added just by, by popular demand. There's quite a few people like asking for it. And so we work to source the data. And again, it's 2020, obviously that was a year ago, but based on crop rotations, you know, if it was in corn, it's likely to be in beans. Uh, you know, if it was in alfalfa, more than likely, you know, that's a, that's a perennial plant. So it's going to be an alfalfa again. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like you can do with a little bit of your own research, figure out, you know, what winter wheat is more likely to be the following year and so on and so forth. So helps you on destination hunts, just figure out like, okay, what food sources are going to be where. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I've grown it. So when that, I think that came out maybe like a month ago. I don't know if I, if I got July, it earlier, yeah, like yeah, early July. July. Yeah. So I pulled that up right away and I started running through it. And like you said, it's not, it's 2020 data. So it's not like, you, you know, you're not like looking at corn on there and you show up and it's corn. Um, Cause sometimes it's soy, sometimes it's new and alfalfa, but at least you get an idea of what it is because there are certainly some spots um, that I was looking over on a piece of public that you can't see these fields from the road. So in order to understand where, like what these fields are this year, like if it's soybeans, I'm going to be looking at it for early season or, or late season. If it's corn, I'm going to be looking at it for like that mid October timeframe, checking, looking for maybe some scrapes around there and whatnot. So uh, without having to go all the way back there, I can at least get an idea like, okay, is this planted um, in, in what, or what was it planted in last year? And is it even planted or is it even CRP? Because sometimes you're looking at the, the aerial map and you're like, I don't even know if this thing's planted or not. It could just be a, a pasture field. I'm not sure. And a couple of the things that I get stoked about is like, so like Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri all have pretty solid programs like within their state, you know, wildlife departments where the, they put, you know, corn, soybean, like food plots on these tracks of public lands and a lot of time on like walk-in areas, you know? Um, and so I've found it really useful for, uh, for a hunt I've got coming up this fall. That's actually in Arkansas. Um, but like nice. they kind of do the same thing. And I've found, you know, these little crop fields tucked away that are half acre, one acre on public ground. So I'm pretty excited to check this yeah. out. No, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I love the fact that you guys added it. It clutters up the map pretty heavily like oh it, yeah 
it's so, not like, like I certainly... you want to leave on. It's like yes. check it out, hone in on what you need. You know, sometimes I'll even like drop a waypoint and I'll just like make it yellow and then drop one, make it brown, and then just like quickly delete them if I'm trying to like figure out where a couple of fields are, but I actually want to look at the satellite imagery. Um, yeah. No, yeah. And when you're on I hunted, I mean, this would have been super helpful. I hunted Illinois a couple of years ago and did almost all of my scouting based on, um, based on Onyx. And I showed up and there are a few fields that weren't, that weren't planted and hadn't been planted in years. Um, but I was hoping that they were planted, you know? Um, so this, this data would really help me in that sense. If you're going to new ground or you're checking out new areas, pull up that crop data. Um, I, I'm, I'm certain it would bring some value to you guys. Heck yeah. And then uh, you alluded to another one that we have that we have coming out. It's actually uh, you're you're a little early on that one. So fortunate for you, you get been getting to check it out. But the what you're alluding to with the wind on a waypoint. So basically now when you drop a, a waypoint, you're able to see the wind direction on that waypoint. But then you're also able to set an optimal wind. So like you can, you know, say, hey, this the gate tree stand or whatever if it's good for a north to a west wind you can categorize good north good northwest good west and then when you pull up your hunt app it'll show you like okay my gate tree stand has good winds you know my south side tree stands you know not good down there whatever it'll just help you quickly determine okay where's where's gonna be the stand location for the day nice yeah and i don't even think I don't think I have that yet. I think yeah, that's a feature that I, I don't I have. I don't know what you were alluding to. Obviously, you're going to That's my to own categorization. I, uh, I appreciate that you guys are making this built in now, so I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I was like, because like we we're able to like, you know, for like your account and stuff, like we can flip some you like back backend switches to allow you guys early access. And like, I just got to look at this first for the first time, like last week in my employee oh. settings and I was like well maybe Jeff went wild and just like set it on for a bunch of people and seeing if I get feedback no nope. uh, no nope. that is that's literally better. oh that's it's badass gonna, I love it out in September um so that's oh, coming sweet. coming out hot here um so that'll be pretty sweet and then uh you also I mean you clearly use our foldering system mm -hmm. which is going to get way better um so you're going to be able to bulk add so like let's say you're hunting that Illinois property again and your buddy owns it and you know, he's moved stands around and he has 15 stands that he needs to share you. He can go select all 15 of those stands, put them in like Illinois farm folder. So that's what we're going nice. to have. And then you can share the folder out. So the sharing the entire folder has been a little bit more complex. That's going to be delayed a little bit, but the bulk adding to a folder so you can set okay. these folders up is coming Sweet. pretty quick sharing soon to follow. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, that's awesome. And I, yeah, I appreciate that. Cause I need to, I like to, I, I take a bunch of people out on public and yeah. a bunch of friends and even on my own property, I've taken friends out there and it's really nice to just be like, here's a pin. Here's, oh, here's the pin. hundred percent. Like that's, I can't tell you how many pins I share with one another, but also it's just like being able to share 10 pins at once will be mm -hmm. so nice because I've certainly sat there like sitting in your truck on a ridge top, the only spot you have service sitting there, like sending eight waypoints and you're like, yeah, ah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And one of my, one of my buddies, he, uh, I, I don't know if it's like just in his nature, but he does not hold back on the pins. Like he'll have like a two acre parcel and have like 37 pins on it and i'm like what in the hell like what are you marking that you need all this so he will send me all of these pins and i'm like dude i just needed the one right yeah. and that now this is going to be bad because he's going to send me all in one batch now he's gonna be like here it is <laughs> here's everything i have but uh, hilarious no one of the other things i really like i didn't know how fast this would update but there was a parcel and I was going to post about this, uh, this weekend, there was a parcel that 70 acres and I wanted to buy it. It was kind of a crappy, it was a crappy home site. Um, but yeah. it was for sale 70 acres. It was like three grand an acre, but probably 30 acres of it was a river. It's an active river that never drains. So essentially you own Ugh. river, like they're including it in acreage. Like I was like, that's garbage. But yeah. anyway, 
anyway, there's, there was that, that I was, I was looking at and I was like, Hmm, should I, should I try to throw in for this? Whatever. Eventually it got sold. I was like, I'm not going to buy it. It got sold. And now it's turned into public access. The new owner flipped it over to the DNR as public access. And I was like, hell yeah. And I found that because I was checking out a spot on, on OnX, and all of a sudden it was in Wisconsin, they call them uh, VPAs, voluntary public access. And all of a sudden it's this new piece shows up voluntary public access like it was for sale this spring and now it's already in here i was like yes i went and walked that thing right away <laughs> nice. well it's always dude that what a cherry uh cherry situation looking at buying a piece and yeah there might be a couple other people in there but now you at least get to play on it yeah exactly i get to check it out for sure and i can always offer the guy money if it's really good later <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm closing uh, this one up it's too good yeah dude uh, that's that's definitely a problem though with some of those like walk-in layers uh, well not the, the layers but like those walk-in properties mm-hmm. uh, you know it, you, somebody with some money finds out about them and hunts one and it pops off it's, it's been a serious thing like uh, i was talking to some guys in kansas when i was down there turkey hunting and they're like yeah like there used to be way more walk-ins like on the western side of the state and they're just like folks from denver have been coming over and just privately leasing them because the landowners can get more money and we've seen yeah. the same thing in eastern montana with like our block management program so like it's you know it's definitely a thing that happens they get poached those rich bastards yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they poaching them. <laughs> um all right so what else anything else coming out uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple other things that I'll just like allude to at a super high level, uh, some improved offline maps. Uh, so okay. like you're going to be able to customize your offline map. You're going to be able to draw the box. If you want to save eight gigabytes oh, nice. worth of an offline map, like slow your phone down, more power to you. If you want just the, the quarter section that your property's on in a super high resolution, get after it. Sweet. I like that because currently right now, if, if you guys haven't used the offline mode, that's one of the main reasons I, I even got into Onyx in the first place, like seven, eight years ago, is because the places I hunt don't have internet. A lot or of them you don't. have like one bar of service or something, and it's just like, it's, it's marginal service. I always save a map because then you can use it no matter what, and it right. works quickly. You know, like yes. if you have one bar of LTE, sometimes it'll lag and like, it'll be a frustrating experience. But if you just save that map, which, you know, like a map right now, if you just save the 10 mile map takes up no space and takes about one minute. Yeah. And you're Yeah. And you got it. And you just flip the offline and you don't even have to worry about, you know, downloading any more data at all. 100%. No. And then the last one I'll allude to is very much like the crop layer. We're coming out with a layer that will help you identify tree species, particularly built for identifying you know, like oak trees and oh, and that's pretty sweet. Vegetation. So I'll say no more, but all that stuff is coming out within the next 45 days. Um, Ooh, so nice. I've been promised. So uh, <laughs> now, now we owe it to the Deer Vein listeners to really follow through here. Right, exactly, man. I work, I work in software now as well. And yeah, deadlines are hard to hit, man. Because if you deadlines, find a bug, it's just like, the bug, the bug itself, you find one issue and you're like, crap, this sets us back nine days. Like, just Well, that's just it, right? Like we are pretty much all us and all of our competitors at the end of the day, we have a lot of the same features. Like the features are the same. What we take pride in is our experience. Like our app is so easy to use. Mm -hmm. Like literally we have built it for the technologically unsavvy person to be able to fully operate our app successfully Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is reliability like we want to make sure that when you are a field the hunt app is not going to let you down and at the end of the day like those are the two things that we are top of top of the order of priorities and then obviously we add features as we're able to that you know we know our customers can put to use Um, right but yeah sometimes it moves slower than you want it to for those reasons it does i'm sorry i'm i continually i'm looking down at my phone it's just because now i'm stuck in onyx and i'm looking at new spots (laughs) um all right awesome well thank you x411 and then uh i mean if we want to jump right into the sheep hunt yeah, we can, uh, can roll it out. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you sharing the 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 updates that are coming out, giving everybody a sneak peek. And yeah, I want to hear about your sheep hunt, man. 
So Jared just got back from Alaska, went on an epic sheep hunt. Um, and I want to hear about it. And I, I think a lot of people, I, I think it's something a lot of people like essentially aspire to. Um, and I enjoy hearing about it. And it's like one of those hunts that you go on maybe once every 10 years, if that, you know, and, uh, and it, and it's, um, something that, yeah, I just find the adventure itself, you know, is, is intriguing. That's it right there. Hard stop. Like the, the expectation going into this hunt was just an adventure. It like, it okay. was just, so basically my sister, she moved up to Alaska in 2014, became a resident, uh, married a guy that was from up there. They now own a house in Alaska. My state is my, like, my fate is sealed. I have an Alaskan <laughs> connection to go sheep, goat, and bear hunting. So, right. um, and so two years ago, like, well, it really started three years ago. I started seeding this into my sister. This was before she was married. I was like, I really want to go on a sheep hunt. You are literally the only way I'll ever get to do it in my life because you know it's a thirty thousand dollar hunt. We, you know, yeah, guide and going through the whole deal. And so like, she was like, yeah, like, I just don't know much about it. Da, da, da. It was not going to happen that year. That was like me planting the seed. And then two <laughs> years ago, um, she then got married and uh, her husband, not really like a huge hunter, but all about adventure. And so okay. uh, started planning two years ago and it took a lot of like logistics and the whole nine to finally put it together. COVID for sure threw a wrench in some of the timing, but flew out there uh we got dropped off this year august 7th um so sheep season opens on the 10th we literally just spent hours on onyx and picked a spot on the map and said we're going in here we're going to get dropped at this airstrip and then we're going to pack raft about 90 miles out um why so, <laughs> yeah dude it was it was pretty out there um we were we we're sorry my dog's chewing things <laughs> uh, no so yeah we we got dumped off out there on the seventh and our whole plan was like we want to get dumped off before the season the most legal rams are going to be alive on the 10th that was our thinking i wouldn't do that again i would go later um uh, but anyhow on, on the seventh got in there and it was cherry weather the seventh eighth and ninth which helped because we put in our pack rafts and floated about 10 miles immediately from the airstrip and then from there we hoofed it up um a drainage just like this massive drainage that split into you know multiple finger drainages just huge country um and so like the the base elevation of the creek we were in was about 3,000 3,200 and then the tops of the peaks went to north of eight um, okay it's and like gnarly. that's some vertical that's some vertical miles man yeah and so we got in there and i mean we saw we were seeing sheep the moment we pretty much got our pack draft stuff broken down like we pulled out the spotter and it was like oh sheep on that mountain, sheep on that mountain and like you know and they're not hard okay. to spot but like we did not go in with the expectation that we would see you know it, 80 sheep while we were out there and we definitely saw 80 sheep while we were out there Dang. Um, and you know a lot of those were used a high percentage of them mm -hmm. you know maybe we saw 20 rams or something like that 25 something like that um but anyhow so we we would find these rams particularly around the eighth we ended up chasing our tail a lot which the country is just so big but we spied these rams at like three miles two of them looked really good we you know made this half day Wait, trek hold on a second are you you got a rifle yeah. Yep. Rifle hunting. Uh, I'm shooter. Both my sister and brother-in-law have tags. So if it like gets wild and we're able to harvest multiple sheep, we're, we're okay. there I'm three, shooting a 300 short. Um, I feel comfortable to, to 600. I shot, I don't know how many rounds this summer. And thank <laughs> God when I bought my, uh, my Hornady ELDX 200 grain ammo a couple of years back, I bought 600 rounds. I just like <laughs> bought a pile of it. Right. Cause I'm like, yeah, this like i like the way this shoots i'm just gonna buy it forever so it's a good thing i had a bunch of yeah, rounds. no shit um, so then and and real quick before before we keep going um why does it matter that your sister lives in alaska oh yeah i should explain that that was dumb uh no no, so, no i just it's not dumb it's just something that like if you're in 
if you talk about sheep hunting a lot, it's just something, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I, I know why, but I feel like a lot of other people 100%. wouldn't. So you have to have a guide in Alaska to hunt uh, doll sheep, mountain goat, and brown grizzly bear. Um, it, and the only thing to get around having a guide is second degree of kindred, which basically includes your brother, sister, mom, dad, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, father-in-law. Um, so you gotta be, you gotta have somebody that is immediately close to you living in Alaska. And then they have to be within 100 yards of you when you pull the trigger. So that was yeah. the reason that I could go on a sheep hunt. All I had to do was buy the thousand dollar doll sheep tag. We were going to an over-the-counter unit and my sister has to be there and I'm good to go. So, right. and otherwise, if you don't, a guide's charging you 29 K uh, yeah. to go do it. Yeah. Right. And I mean, even in this trip, I would estimate that I spent between four and five grand just between, you know, flights and the logistics and like buying sure. a pack raft and gear and what have you. And, you know, again, like I include that the gear I bought, but that gear is good forever. So, yeah. Um, yep. Okay. So, all right. With those two things out of the way, um, you're, you, you know, you packed down August 8th, you were floating down um, and then you got out and you're heading up these, these drainages this one big drainage, you're spotting all these rams. And on, on eighth, you were chasing your tail around. That's yeah, where we so, left off. Yep. hundred percent. So on the eighth, we spot this, this group or, uh, there was two rams and probably like five ewes, which that was really the only time we saw rams and ewes intermixed on our trip. But we made this jaunt that took half the day to try to get a closer look at these rams and it, you know, we navigating up through alders and you break through the alders and we got up on this knob and of course they're nowhere to be seen. And, um, so we ended up chasing our tail around quite a bit, especially on the eighth and the ninth, just trying to get closer looks at rams. Because again, when you spot them at three miles, determining a legal ram in Alaska, which has to be full curl or eight years old. Um, and there's like a couple tests that you can do visually you know they do a 360 degree from a straight 90 degree perpendicular angle um and then there's a couple other ones that are fairly hard to explain without a visual but the other one is you can count eight annuli so like a tree the ram horn grows a ring that like creates a clear indentation um but there's also like false annuli and that is like you have to be super close to be counting annuli so that is not <laughs> great um, but so anyhow, we, we eventually, it, it took us like an entire day longer to get to our base camp spot because we ended up like chasing our tails around trying to determine if some of these Rams were legal. Mm. Um, but it ended up not mattering too much because literally from our campsite, uh, which was just in the bottom of the drainage there, we spotted this band of 11 Rams, like a mile and a half away. And it had two nice. of them that were like at a mile and a half. We were like yeah, we're pretty confident those are going to pass the test. Um, okay. And it, like a sublegal Ram one that's, you know, say like four or five years old is pretty obviously sublegal at two miles, but a Ram that's like, you know, three quarter curl or, you know, in that zone. Yeah. Like a seven year old, six and a half year old. You're like, if you're an experienced guide, maybe, but us we're like, yeah, way too hard to tell. <laughs> so, so then in this, in this uh, Creek bed or drainage that you're in, is it like, is there a lot of vegetation in there or is this like pretty clean and clear? The Creek bed itself, it's, it's coming out of a glacier. So like it is, insanely larger than the water like during runoff okay. this place would be an absolute gorging river okay uh, like in june when all the snow was melting and stuff like i can't imagine being in this place and even when we were there we saw the the little creek fluctuate up to like 16 inches overnight just oh, because dang. of like the glacial melt in the the heat of the day and sometimes it, like we had rain um but like where our camp was, it was fairly uncrossable. The, the Creek was at the end of the day, but at the start of the day, it was like, no problem. <laughs> That's it, pretty like, wild. You have to was, plan for was, the Creek to rise every 100%, day. 100%, 100% because there was a lot of times where if you didn't cross the Creek, you would end up like getting cliffed out and you'd have to like bushwhack through the alders, which are probably like the first 300 feet of vert of the mountain. Okay. And then it kind of went the next couple hundred feet of vert was like mossy blueberry type stuff for the most part. 
And then anything above that, it turns to sheep country pretty quick where it's like shale shoots and cliffs and just gnar. Okay. Awesome. Um, no, yeah, I, pre I appreciate you laying that out. I'm looking at your photos right now on Instagram. So oh, I'm getting the well, context of it. I'm about to put a pile of them on the, the Onyx Hunt Instagram story this ah, afternoon. Sweet. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell be watching the story that. there too. Um, uh, but yeah. All right, so are you going to post, can you... Okay, I'm, I'm gonna get a few of these photos from you to throw on my Instagram. Yeah, um, in reference to this. Yeah, no, and the story I'll will be in the highlights of the Onyx Hunt account. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Um. So yeah, so we got in there, eleven rams, and we were like, we're gonna get on top of these things. We're gonna bring three days of food up to the top because we really only had five days of food in the creek bottom because we had a two and a half day pack raft out like that was just the nature of this trip we cut costs we knew we were going to have a short shorter period of time to hunt but that was really the only way that we could do this so um, your hunt was essentially i mean you started on the 7th but it didn't open till the 10th and then you were trying to be in there from the 10th to the 14th or something or the 15th correct. We, yeah, we, okay. had to be, we had to be back to the pack rafts on the 14th to start our float. Gotcha. Okay. So we really only had like, and you know, we had a good solid half three quarter day hike out on the 14th. So really we had like mm -hmm. two days to find a legal ram before season and three days to kill them. It, it was it. kind of the plan going in. Okay. Um, and so what's when you're on a 14 day hunt, you're like, you're, how do you only have three days to pull a trigger? But like, <laughs> Alaska logistics are next level. Um, and so, yeah, we got up in there and that hike was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life without question. Like that 4,000 feet of vert was, I mean, it was as much rock climbing as it was hiking. I mean, there was a lot of zones that were absolutely no fall zones. Like you fall, you're either dead or we're hoping a chopper can get here um like Dang. just on hybrid, like it was four points of contact crawling um but eventually we got to the top of this ridge took us like six hours and i mean i didn't track it just because i was trying to save battery but we didn't go much more than a mile but it was just straight Bert. up six nuts. hours to go a mile oh my gosh uh, <laughs> and so wild. we we got to the top and just out of stupid ass luck, like the top of this ridge we got to, we hiked a lot of that ridge over the next three days. And we happened to summit at like the 50 yards of the most lush, green, beautiful camp spot you could imagine. <laughs> and so like when we got to the top was one of the most euphoric moments. Like I can remember, like we were all just so hyped that the climb was done and we got up there. Uh, but set up camp and immediately spotted our 11 rams again and we watched nice. them until about dark which is 11 p.m but put, put them to bed on the ninth like beautiful weather picked out our knob that we were going to get to in the morning and it was on and we woke up on opening day on the 10th at 3 a.m uh in the dark it was snowing uh just like super lightly snowing and uh started hiking our way over in the dark which it was kind of twilighty by like four o'clock um, and then pretty light by five. And we didn't actually get over to the knob we wanted to get to where we had put those sheep to bed until close to, I think it was like 7.45. Okay. Um, so it was a jaunt. Yeah. Uh, and so then we- Three hour uh, hike in, four, four hour, four and a half hour yeah, hike in. <laughs> about, about four hours of hike in. And, you know, a lot of it's you know, like just climbing these little knife ridges and we had, we called this one spot god's thumb from the movie holes like it kind of looked like god's thumb it was just like this giant pinnacle that we had to like drop down around and uh sheep hunting man oh man so, yeah that's those things where you look at and you're just like really that's what oh I my god i got i only we had to climb around it just like there once back once there once back mm -hmm. once so four times and by the fourth time i was like have fucking mercy don't make me <laughs> <laughs> i know that's like you look at it and you're like you say damn it and then you go and you say damn it because you know you're gonna go do it you're like oh, ah, i yeah. have to go do that and you're there is no i'm not going to do that it's just like oh this is gonna suck <laughs> yep. yep it was uh yeah just 45 minutes of pure pain uh, <laughs> but anyhow we got up there and i like the clouds were so insane when we got there they're just like moving so fast and there's just so many of them so we literally got to the glassing knob. I pulled my backpack off. My sister immediately pulled out her binos. I pulled my GoPro out to record a time lapse. I set my GoPro up 
and within two minutes my sister's like ram within gun range and like i'm like fiddling in my pack and like doing things like not yet even looking and i'm like it's like seriously and she's like yes like good ram and so like i unstrap my gun and we both like belly crawl another five ten yards up and uh and literally by the time we got set up to re relocate that ram the fog had sucked in and he and he wasn't visible at the moment and that time lapse of my GoPro, which I like soon after this, I stopped it, but it's pretty insane. Like the, the fog, just like it's blue skies. And then the GoPro just gets like sucked up. Um, Dang. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I'll, now that I talked about that one, I'm probably gonna have to go pull that one. And make sure I post it <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, but yeah, so we sat on that Ram for six hours on opening day uh, and maybe got five to seven minutes to evaluate him uh, just in the low visibility. Sometimes like the clouds would part for 20 seconds, sometimes for a minute and a half. Um, but okay. like after my sister's very first look at him, which I never even saw him, we waited two hours before we ever got a look at him again. Um, he ended oh. up being at... 463 yards was the one time like clouds parted. I was able to get a range on him. And uh, all three of us, my brother-in-law, sister, and myself, gut feeling and confident level high that he was a legal ram. But with the lack of head angles, just because he was bedded and those things are so stoic when they're bedded, like they just don't move. A lot of times when they bed in a band and we assumed there was other rams around, we could just never see them um but they'll all face different directions and so they'll they'll just like lay there and they do not move their head like once in a while yeah they might like itch or something but like you have to be watching them for a long period of time to get like different head angles to see if they pass individual tests sure and we simply just never got enough good views to feel confident that he was 100 legal um but i mean it, it it was a good ram i mean heavy bases drop down low hooked up around and it was nauseating on the trigger dude like i had like crosshairs on them range turret was dialed finger was on the trigger safety was on and like dude it was there was one point I was like, man, I might pass out on this gun. Like I said that out loud to my sister at this one point while she was in the spotting scope, my brother-in-law was on the binos and I was in the scope. And we were like, like, what is your guys' feeling on this? And none of us were a hundred percent. That was so hard. Um, oh man. Well, no one wants to be the one to say yes and get it wrong. Totally. And like my <laughs> sister works for, for ADF and G the department of fishing game in Alaska and so like mm. added pressure to like yeah. really be confident. And so we're going to you know, go for a full curl and a half on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're not um, taking chances. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, at like two fifteen, I think we were looking at this Ram by eight at two fifteen. We got another break. We saw him standing. He was like feeding. So he got up out of his bed, disappeared. Uh, and then like, uh, you know, the fog sucked in a couple minutes later, fog sucked back out, no idea where he went. And then, uh, and then by about four o'clock visibility was about 20 yards and not, not improving. So we, we bailed, um, sure. and really we bailed because we're like, well, this band of Rams is in here. We have no idea what's down this ridge. We're not just going to go blindly bombing down here and see what happens in the fog. Yeah. So our plan was like, we're going to come back in here in the morning like if we can't see anything we're going to glass from camp and see if we can get on this band of rams again and not booger them up and so like we made our way back to camp whatever next morning it was like 19 degrees was the in reach update i got and blowing like 40 oh, um, it was freaking cold man. <laughs> and so like, yeah. i got up early i was up at like six or something got up to glass like told my sister and brother-in-law to stay in the tent and i just took like all the down layers and just like bundled <laughs> up out there and like sure enough glassed up seven rams one of which i was pretty confident was legal out of this you know same band that we were on yesterday made the hoof over there got on them put this and how long, was the, how long was the hoof was it another four hour hoof it, it was the same exact hoof as the day before oh and man it was maybe three miles but okay just scaling shit yeah like you are on a knife ridge just crawling so it's like 
it's arduous like mentally and physically but it's not like you're going uphill all the time like it's fairly like flat but it's just like it's just rugged um and and unforgiving really so anyhow we made our way over there again immediately when we got over there relocated the band of rams like 1400 yards straight below us wind is coming up like it's gonna suck to drop down but we are in a good scenario to kill these yeah 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 and so we're like all right we kind of like looked at onyx and uh, you know i marked where i thought the rams were which and when the country is that big it's so hard but made a stock plan started getting down the ridge it ended up being an all-day endeavor i mean we're like creeping down this knife ridge and, you know, last thing we want to do is blow them out. So we'd creep down, you know, a hundred yards, find a little spot, thoroughly glass, sit for 20 minutes, make sure we don't see anything. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And we're getting down to where it's like, where the F are these things? Which every hunter that has done a spot in stock knows that feeling of like, yeah. I know these things, I left them here. They have to be somewhere, but I'm really feeling dejected because I don't know where. <laughs> And all of a sudden we pop over this little knob and it's like, holy smokes, there he is. And here's this freaking ram, solid ram. I mean, like first impression was like, grab the gun ram uh, at 250 yards. Oh, Um, wow. So like right on him. And we pop up there and uh, I grab the phone scope, get it on the tripod because immediately he's not full curl. When I get the head, he's like three quarter Mm. curl. So I'm like, well, the only way he's making it is annuli. He was seven. He was seven years old. <laughs> he him to be eight. Uh, Is that the one that you have the video of? That's the one with the video. That's like super okay. crisp. Yep. Yep. Oh man. So had him at, yeah, 250 yards for like 30 minutes. And at this point we figured, okay, like this is our band of Rams. His, his buddies are somewhere. We sat there. I ended up like throwing rocks down the mountain to create like these rock slides um to try to like see if they were behind little cl- cliffs or crags or whatever i created a rock slide that went by the ram uh in the video there that we could see maybe like 20 yards from him like a fairly reasonable rock slide didn't even pick his head up i like, didn't care at all which like not overly surprising like there was random rock slides that you could hear going off fairly frequently um but lo- to make a long story short we dang near descended down to the creek uh never ended up finding his six buddies um no idea where they went just ghosted us oh my Uh, gosh and then hoofed it all the way back up back to our spike camp on the ridge and that was our last night of like last night of freeze dried up on top of the ridge and so the next day we had to descend down to base camp um did that immediately when we got down to base camp we glass up our same seven rams in the same shoots that they were in yesterday and we're like all right our our last day to hunt sheep because this that was the night of the 12th the 13th we were like we're gonna hunt these things from the bottom okay because we spent the 9th 10th and 11th up top mm-hmm. came down on the 12th spotted yep. them back in the same spot the next morning got up at 3 a.m hoofed it over there on the 13th and got into a position where it's like, well, they got to be up in these crags somewhere. Um, and visibility was fairly low again that day, like low ceiling, rainy and 39 or something. Um, and we just slowly moved our way below these little craggy cliffs that had a lot of green that they were hanging out in all day. Basically, like we got up at 3.30 and we called her a day at 7.00 um never found them but what we did oh find was a damn ram carcass with boot tracks in the same like you know uh we were two thousand feet above there three thousand feet above there the last couple days but yeah we found a set of boot tracks that went in there i don't know what day they shot them uh but we never even <laughs> knew they were in there uh they probably never knew you were there either they, they definitely knew we were there uh, just because like we had a, we had like a stash, we had multiple stashes. Like our pack raft stash was very obvious at the beginning of the drainage. Like I okay. tied up my like orange fluorescent orange floating gun case to the top of this tree for that exact reason. So, okay, like, so people knew. Um, and we heard a jet boat on the eighth 
um didn't think a whole lot of it but like the drainage we were hunting was kind of like the last accessible drainage by jet boat really um mm. so like days later we were like shit that dude with the jet boat walked right up in here shot this damn ram and walked his happy ass out um you know like he didn't he didn't ever at any point climb the mountain he maybe had to do like 500 feet of vert i don't know my gut feeling is it's probably some good old you know good old boy that's been in that drainage for the last five years and he rips it up there yeah. in his jet boat bombs it up the creek eight miles shoots a sheep from the bottom you know does maybe 500 feet of vert through alders and blueberries and is on his merry way um, right was, yeah he knows he knows what he's up to he knows what yeah, he's doing that was dejecting uh we found that carcass <laughs> at about like 4 30 5 p.m on uh, on the 13th and that uh, was after that it was tough um, he doesn't he doesn't get he didn't get the cool adventure though he didn't get the painful adventure with the story he's like oh yeah i went out on the jet boat and killed a ram well, yeah, that, this is all just me making up the theory, <laughs> right? Like, this is the story I want it to be, not that it was some other DIY hunter who'd never been right. in there, just was better than us. Could have been that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then uh, we kind of, we, we bailed out of there. We had to get to the pack rafts the next day anyway, and started pack rafting, which our, our plan was to kind of, on the pack raft, we had 88 miles to pack raft. Um, and so like, on the 14th, we were like, well, we're going to stop in, check out a few of these more accessible mountains, see if we can spot a legal ram from pretty much the river, make a one day assault on them and see what happens. And so the 14th, we did just that, located these two rams uh, fairly early on in the afternoon and covered, you know, a mile to get closer. And we spotted them at like three and a half miles, got to like two miles, found out they were sublegal um uh, neither of them were were worth going up the mountain but they're in a fairly killable spot um uh, but both of, neither of them were really that close to being legal mm. one of them was maybe three-quarter curl um and so that was kind of the the sheep expedition of it because by the time we determined they're sublegal it was maybe 6 7 p.m on the 14th so we pretty much okay. just called the camp there um but then we had a lot of float out to do and both my sister and brother-in-law could shoot a grizzly bear and so on the float out, on that's the 15th, pretty cool. Yeah. On the 15th, literally like an hour and a half into the float, all of a sudden, like I look over and here's a big old freaking grizzly bear standing on the edge of the river. And I just like, like turn back to signal to brother and sister, like bear pull over. And so we all paddle our way. We get over to the bank. Are you guys all in separate pack rafts? So we had one double pack raft. Okay. Uh, one longer style which we just rotated and then the one single pack raft gotcha okay so you were in the single raft. when you saw the bear then so yeah um yeah. and so we bombed it over to to the the bank and the problem with the pack rafts well it's not a problem it's just the way they are is you put a lot of your gear inside of the the tubes of the pack raft um which is awesome because they stay dry and it's great storage that way you don't have to have crap tied all over to it um but you have to break down the pack raft to get your gear and so you know, like the spotting scope and some of the other things that were like, if we lose this on this trip, we are effed was inside of, of the pack raft. So like we had to break sure. down the pack raft, get the gear out. Um, and this bear is about 500 yards away from where we pulled off on the bank. So like we're within striking distance. Yeah. Uh, and so like we get the gear out and, and we go and we, we relocate him. He's kind of on the edge of these alders now, but like you can see him and we're sitting at 500 yards and I'm not shooting. Like I can't shoot a, uh, a grizzly bear with, with what I bought. Uh, and really it comes down to my brother-in-law because my sister's like, I don't really have an interest in shooting a grizzly bear. Um, and so th there was, it wasn't really a debate. It was just like more, he was thinking about it. He, he, they just bought a house and really he's always wanted to shoot a bear to have a bear rug. And so I guess they have this like big vaulted ceiling and he's like, man, that would be a sweet bear rug. Right. And so like he eventually kind of just was like talking to it about himself and he's like, yep, let's get a closer look. And I was like, sweet. So we get from 500. <laughs> I feel like that's a conversation you have before you go on the hunt. <laughs> oh, and it was. we talked about it like so okay. many times. Right. And his answer was always like, yeah, I think I'm going to want to do it, but I'm going to need to be in the situation. And, and Mateus, my brother-in-law, okay. like he's, he's hunted some like, but he didn't grow up ingrained in hunting. Like gotcha. he's, yeah, yeah. 
he hunts, he shoots a couple sick blacktails every year. Um, but it's like, you know, go out on the boat and still hunt through the Sitka spruce of Southeast Alaska for a day and, you know, come home with whatever dough, little mm-hmm. fork, doesn't matter. Right. Uh, okay. And so gotcha. Like, he, his experience was like, he's a pack rafting nut. He does gnarly pack rafting stuff. And so okay. like that, and he ended up loving the whole deal. He's like, Jared, we're going sheep hunting again. And I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, so this bear, we only went if you'll from, take me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we went from 500 yards to 350 yards pretty quick. I mean, we were wearing like, we all had dry suits on. So like my sister's in fluorescent purple, uh, Mateus, like is he's in orange and I'm in red, just like running across <laughs> this gravel bar. Uh, and we get to kind of the last spot. There's a big fork in the river between us and the bear. We can't cross it without our pack rafts. And, um, we spot the bear. He kind of goes into the alders and he probably goes into the alders for like 40 minutes to the point where it's like, ah, shoot, like missed our opportunity, whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, at that point we were just sitting on him, and sure as shit, he, he made a death march to the edge of the river would have been a zero foot pack out like comes out, gives a perfect shot right on the bank, 350 yards, which not an easy shot. Like that's a poke. Um, and, and like Mateus shot my gun when we got, uh, when I got to Alaska to make sure it was still on and what have you, but like at a hundred yards, just at zero to make sure we were good. Sure. And he just flat out missed 350 yards. Bear was, I mean, teed up perfectly for him. I was in the binos and uh, he missed, just missed. Oh man. And did it uh, on purpose. His conscience got to him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we went oh, over there man. and I mean, confirming the miss, as you can imagine, like it's, you know, uh, the edge of the river right on the edge of the alders, you know, there's not much yeah. separation there. So like, it was pretty heavy situation. Like I had the gun, one in the chamber, bear sprays were unlocked and ready to go. Yeah. Right um, but found his tracks about seven inch tracks uh and they say like seven inches wide and so they say add an inch to that and that's how many feet the bear was so they claim so like eight foot bear grizzly bears are not small yeah um um, you know it's not a coastal brown bear but we are in interior alaska so you know bears that's a badass uh, bear yeah but found his tracks found exactly where he was standing when the gun went off no hair no blood um no nothing nothing. i mean we made a, a scour of the area and the bear didn't react at all to the gunshot, like, like watched him like kind of mm. just walk into the alders. Uh, and so like, we were very confident after the shot that there was no, no hit, um, but it was wild. Like all the, excitement that is wild. For none of the work as they say, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then after that, you know, after that, it was pretty much just a solid uh, two, two days of floating. I mean, our biggest float day, we did 45 miles. Dang. Yeah. So and at the top of the river, the river was cooking about 12 miles an hour. Okay. And at the bottom about four. Um, so right. like we dropped a lot of elevation, but where the river was cooking 12 miles an hour, that was some scary water. I bet. Because it's I all bet. like 34 degrees, right? It's it's freaking freezing. Maybe I don't know, maybe yeah. it's warmer than 34, but it's it is mind-numbingly cold. Oh yeah, I bet. And yeah, the thought process of all right, can't get anything wet, can't hit a rock, can't flip, gotta stay on my A game this entire time. Otherwise, you know, there could be issues. Like and thankfully the first half of the river was a little bit technical like that, where it was like moving fast and there was objects to avoid and some white water and lots of braids. Um, but then thankfully, like the most of the 45 miles was pretty chill. I mean, as okay. far as like, nice. can't really screw it up you know uh, was your was brother-in-law eating it up in the beginning like was oh, he loving it he was loving it yeah because <laughs> like, when we flew in we took separate super cubs on the way in and uh and he he got to fly like right over the river his pilot liked to pick out a pack raft route and then sure. my sister and i got to like fly over you know a portion of the mountains we were going to be hunting to see if we could spot like white dots on the way in sure um, we did we spotted a couple of sheep from the plane which was cool but like it was it was super helpful that he did that run up the river because there was a gnarly rapid on this cliff wall that had we not known about it and had we gone down that braid it would have got ugly 
<laughs> so it's just like I, it was very good to have like without him we would have never done the pack raft ah what would you, then you would have just flown in and flown out or what yeah and so let me just let my dog out sorry i hate me it's cool edit podcasts um oh. <laughs> you're fine man um i don't edit these this is going live man just like <laughs> this <laughs> uh, so yeah basically the reason we did what we did as far as flying in and pack crafting out was for the three of us to fly in we paid a thousand bucks if we were all to fly in and fly out it would have been three thousand dollars a person um mm -hmm. just because like where we were going from the lodge that we flew out of it, it wasn't very far of a transporter it was only like 25 miles or something like that but the logistics of picking people up just because you know weather delays it if you bring home animals it's multiple more trips and just again the logistics of alaska so i mean by pack right. rafting it saved you know eight thousand dollars between the three of us it cost us two and a half three days of hunting but you know for the first go around uh it, it was yeah it was a sweet trip and uh yeah we're, we're aiming for a 2024 2025 return okay yeah oh that's awesome and, and especially with your brother-in-law loving to pack raft i'm sure he was like let's just pack raft let's just oh, do that yeah i mean it was it was a pretty clear-cut choice of what we were gonna do like yeah that was kind of his draw he's like yeah we'll go sheep hunting but we should make sure it's like a pack raft out and i was like okay <laughs> start looking at maps and find the mountain range right yeah did you did he have the pack rafts up there did you pick one up based so on his recommendations or single, what and then i basically just pitched in uh and we like split the double um then because just stay in alaska yeah, it's just gonna stay up there. We'll use it for a moose hunt, a caribou yeah. hunt, you know, whatever's next. Oh my god, no shit. Yeah, you lucky bastard. <laughs> when you have residents up there, man, it's uh, changes the game, obviously. Right? Yeah, because yeah, you can start doing doing a lot more. Oh yeah, you can do whatever, and it's just like it doesn't really make the trip planning that much easier because they're in southeast, they're in Juneau, so it's not like they're on the road system of of the majority of Alaska. Sure. So, they still have to fly or take like the ferry. So like, it's still a little bit logistically complex with like vehicles and rental cars and all that crap, but yeah, uh, but it definitely feels easier and feels way more doable. Any Alaska trip because I have relatives there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's not the, yeah, like you said, it's not, it has nothing to do with the uh, ability to hunt. It's just the ability to financially afford, afford it. <laughs> and like yeah. Alaska in and of itself, dude, like, for a long time, I didn't really realize, like, not that I didn't realize, it annoyed me that you had to have a guide to do sheep, goat, and, and bear, because it's like, you know, like, come on. But after doing that hunt, like, A, you, you need a guide for sheep to determine if it's a freaking legal ram. Like, that Yeah, do you think if you would have had a guide on day one, you would have known yes or no to that? You would have had closure? If I, if somebody, you know, that had been in the sheep mountains for 10 years, looked at that Ram, I, I confident, and I have phone scope footage of it. Um, but like the, if you've ever used a phone scope at a long range, like the clarity through a phone scope is never what it is through the actual spotter with your eye. Um, I gotcha. sent, I have phone scope of the sheep in the fog, which you'll see later today on the story. Um, and I sent it to a couple sheep guides and the one of them was like super hard to tell in this video, but I would lean legal. Um, oh so, man. <laughs> yeah. For whatever, for whatever that's. And worth. you didn't, uh, on that, on that first day when you were, when you were so close to him, you didn't move closer to try to get a closer look because you didn't know where the other Rams were. So we had discussed that at length. Um, yeah. I bet and, sitting there watching him for that long. Well, because like the visibility just even down the ridge itself was pretty crappy so like we didn't really know what the ridge looked like which not that big of a deal you move slow and you figure it out we didn't we yes we thought there was 10 other rams somewhere um sure. but we couldn't locate them we didn't know where they were and uh and then the the third and biggest thing was is we just expected it to at some point burn off or get better and we didn't want to just go blowing the situation up like we have these 11 mm -hmm. rams 
to our knowledge at that point, there was nobody else for freaking miles. Little did right. we know. Um, <laughs> he was cleaning was like, up down below you. <laughs> and it's like, we have these Rams, like, let's not do something stupid in our first, you know, our first day, our first morning of, of having an opportunity and bust this band of Rams out of here and start back at square one. Um, yeah. And it never yeah, burned man. off. It only got worse. There was somebody else below us killing our Ram probably that day. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, we, we never did get another opportunity. So, I mean, hindsight's uh, always 2020, but if I could go back, do it and do it again with the knowledge I have now. Yeah. I'd play it differently, but yeah, at the time, like I didn't feel like we played it wrong per se. No. And that's the advantage of uh, experience, right? Yep. And knowing what to do in those scenarios, knowing yeah, what time. is, what is not a legal Ram. And yeah. So now you have a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of experience. And now when you go back to, you're going to be like, Oh man, we gotta, we gotta, I gotta look at more Ram pictures <laughs> before yeah. I go. Oh dude. I, well, and that was, that was a cool part about the phone scope, right? Is like, you're able to film them and then zoom in there in the tent and like really try to break down. And it, it definitely helped, but like, it's still so hard so <laughs> i bet oh man and then the grizzly was your was your brother-in-law pretty upset that he missed oh was, like yeah at, at first he was more just like shocked like you know just shocked that the whole experience came together like the way it did and he was just like because immediately after he missed that bear you know the bear sauntered off into the alders whatever whatever we found this rock at 250 yards you know that was the size of a pumpkin it was just like, shoot that, you know, shoot at that a couple of times. He hit the pumpkin, pumpkin rock three out of three times at 250. So, you know, like it was at that point, then he became more frustrated because he was like, ah, fuck, dude, like, I, like I just missed. Um, and so, yeah, the rest oh, of the trip, the rest of the trip as we we're floating, there's times where, you know, he'd just be like, uh, you know, that freaking bear. You know, like, like every <laughs> out of nowhere podcast has done. Yeah with the white tail that they've missed or what have you, you know, you mm -hmm. think back to that day in the tree and you're like, damn it. If I would have just drawn back a little earlier, taken my time for one second longer, rewrite, yep. whatever it was. But mm -hmm. that's what I told them. I was like, dude, misses are going to happen. Like that's, that's the name of the game. It does, man. It's the ones that, that you can prevent that really suck. And I'll tell a, a quick story here. One of the, on the last podcast release, the last thing we said was shoot your broadheads. And I will say that again, right now, if you are not, it is early. It's going to, this is going to be released like early September or late August. If you are not shooting your broadheads right now, you are making a big mistake and shoot them at all of your ranges that you're, that you're willing to shoot them. So a buddy of mine heads out $10,000 mule deer hunt out in Utah, right? Some good country. He's on Utah. He's on mule deer every day. Finally gets an opportunity at 70 yards, broadside, dials his sight down, let's go, and his broadhead clips his sight and just goes right into the dirt. Oh. Yep. And he was, and he just never, he said, I shot the practice head, but the practice head blades are different than the, than the actual blades themselves. And I was like, why wouldn't you shoot the actual thing? If you noticed they were different, why wouldn't you check that clearance? You know, and he's out in his backyard sending me Snapchats of him shooting at 70 and 80 and he's got decent groups and it's, and he's yeah. like, I'm confident in that. And uh, yeah, he just never, never decided to throw on an actual broadhead, which does not like, it blows my mind. I think, I can't remember what broadhead he's using. I think he's using like, it's a, it's an expandable. I think it's called like the meat, the meat seeker or meat something or other. I don't know. I forget what it is. Um, yeah the meat mess i don't know what the hell it is it's very very phallic type <laughs> name uh but uh but yeah that's what he was shooting and for i i think that's what he's shooting and he um yeah i mean he just hit his sight it's like dude like that is gonna eat away at your soul for not oh. being prepared like if you just flat out miss him because he got nerves and you rearrange him wrong or whatever like okay, I can get over that, but the fact that it's something Lack I could have prevented, or oh, humidity, yeah, that's yeah, tough. like that will eat away at you. So anyway, yeah, that's my that's my big piece of advice for for everybody listening. 
um, has nothing to do with this, this story at all. But yeah, I can imagine just all of a sudden you're floating down the river and it's just, everybody's quiet. And then he just goes, God damn bear. (laughs) (laughs) You know, muttering to himself in, uh, in dismay. Time to think about it sitting there on the water. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. So, um, last thing I know, I know both of us got to pop off. We got to hop off to another call here. Um, were there any, were, I'm just curious, were there any fish in there? Like, could you guys have fished at all? No. And so there, okay. it was, it was super glacial. I mean, there's probably some creeks that had grayling in them. Um, but no runs where we were at. I mean, we were or trout we were or anything. Yeah. Interior. Yeah. Uh, no, no trout. Um, but no, okay. Yeah. Not, not much around, but we did see a bull moose, a cow moose and a couple calves. So that was sweet. Like a bunch of, you know, brown, ugly, ugly mallards that hatched up there and some, some geese and stuff. But, but no, other than that, man, I mean, it was a pretty all time adventure and um, I I can't wait to do it again, but we got, uh, we got elk season that's here next week. And then, (laughs) you know, no shortage of whitetails. How's a last quick update here. What's, what's the trail camera situation on the old Heller farm? The trail camera situation is unknown. (laughs) <laughs> literally unknown i'm going tomorrow so tomorrow okay. saturday i'm going tomorrow i got nine cameras out they've been soaking for about four weeks now so that I is gotta go. self-control is uh let them <laughs> soak for a month man nice yeah yeah i'm really hoping that i put them in good spots <laughs> so oh, uh, no cell cam game these days i know i have one but we use it i gave it to my dad as a as a driveway watcher for him. Yeah. And I was really hoping, honestly, selfishly, I was really hoping he'd get over it pretty quick. And he hasn't, he really likes it watching the driveway. He checks those photos every morning. (laughs) So nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when we plow it in the winter, we actually get a lot of deer activity and game activity, turkeys, deer. um, We have some bobcats on the property that use it pretty heavily. So yeah. um, But other than that, man, no, I will be, I will certainly be throwing up some photos on Sunday night. That'd be like August 29th um, of whatever I find. And I know I'm already going to reposition a few cameras and there are like, you know, this will be my third year hunting the property. There are a couple spots where I'm going to hunt regardless of what a camera tells me. Yeah. Um, so I don't even have, I have, I've elected to not even touch them this year. Cause oh, nice. I know, I know I'm going to sit there like regardless of whether, you know, there's, there's two hot spots on the farm that I have that are tried and true after two years, like very consistent photos, very good deer on, on the cameras. So I'm just going to leave those lay and just not even consider, consider moving in on those until I get a cold front. And, uh, and so my cameras are all in, um, oddball kind of oddball spots. There's, there's a couple that are in, um, other tried and true spots, but they're really easy to access. So I'm not doing a lot of disturbance on the farm. Sure. Um, but yeah, for the most part, they're in new oddballs, new trails that, um, that I really want to see when there's a couple parts of the farm that are just beautiful scenically, you know, and you look at them, you're like, man, this would be awesome to hunt, but they're just kind of open areas. Um, and so you pop in there. And uh, I've sat there like, I don't know, maybe three, four times in this general, probably like 20, 10 acre area i've never seen a deer so i'm so like all right right but the but the but the the trails are there they are very heavy heavily used um so i got these got these cameras on these trails and be like all right are you nighttime are you morning are you evening are you sporadic like when the hell are you actually coming through here because i would really like to shoot something in here because it's a pretty easy area to access so nice. i don't know yeah that's that's the plan man otherwise yeah. i've been honestly i've been spending my time around um around the house on the public uh checking checking crop data fields to see what's what's where so i know if i should um, be hunted or not but man it's really seeming like in the midwest have you guys gotten a lot of rain out west no i mean we've been super dry until like this maybe the past two weeks like it just rained pretty heavily for for missoula standards this morning okay Uh, but previous to that no we are super dry all summer yeah, and we've been really dry as well. So almost most soybean fields are already turning yellow. Oh, so, really? Dang, yeah, so, so I don't even... Out the window. Yeah, I'm pretty much not even counting on any soybeans this year. I'm mainly moving. I'm looking at oaks this year. Um, 
is pretty much oaks and a food plot for the most part. And then I'll be hunting, I'll be hunting trails, you know? Yeah. yeah my buddy last year shot a hell of, he shot like 152, 152 inch buck on corn early season. He said he was literally taking the, taking the stock right or taking the ear right off the stock. He shot him at 40 yards. And I was like, in like mid September, he was like, yep. You can't kill him if you're not sitting. That's all right. I know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you ain't trying. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for popping on Jared. Really appreciate it. Um, Onyx maps. You guys go find that. What is the, what is the social media? Is it Onyx hunt? Uh, yeah, it's at Onyx hunt is social media. Uh, yeah, I'll be throwing up that sheep story here today on August 27th. So just go to our profile there and hop in the story highlights. It'll be under AK sheep hunt. Uh, okay. So yeah, check that out. Check out Onyx. If you don't already have it, uh, we give a seven day free trial, no credit card required. So if you haven't downloaded it, just go play around with it and see what you think. Yeah. And you can actually have it without buying it anyway. Like you can have it to just look at maps and whatnot. You just can't have all the waypoints. You can't share them. You don't get the private land, public land access type of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I know when I first tried it, it was one of those convenience things that I was like, all right, I just ran it for the map functionality on it. And I was like, all right, I need to buy this because I need these, I need these boundaries. I need to put in all these waypoints. I need to have access to this stuff. And it's not even, it's, I mean, 30 bucks a year, right. For your yeah, state. It's say, not like you're just after a single state. It's like the cheapest piece of hunting gear that you might buy all season. It's like oh, yeah. <laughs> 30 bucks. Yeah. 30 bucks a year. I probably spend more, more than that on uh like uh dispose like disposables you know your nose jammer i spend more on nose jammer every year oh i think <laughs> like 25 bucks on laundry detergents and like you know a couple bars of scent killer soap right buy something that'll exactly. give you a, you know way better odds at shooting a deer rather than just some phil philosophical mind games about washing your body with <laughs> odorless scent yeah exactly oh man all right. Well, yeah. Thanks for popping on Jared. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Again, you know, check out Onyx, check out Jared, um, on his Instagram. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit him up or you want to direct him to me, hit me up, please subscribe, check this out. Um, and I'll see you all next time. Yeah. Appreciate it, Anthony.